coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 14th of August, 2022. Growing in Christ, Part 4. We're continuing in our, I don't know if it's a series, but along the same lines, talking about growing in the Christian life, growing in Christ. And I thought I would bring up a, a theme that has come up over and over and over in my ministry, individuals struggling with understanding these truths and how they work together. I want to talk about uh, something that causes some confusion and hopefully we can clarify it a little bit today. Last week, we, we talked about um, the passage in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete, and I put in parentheses here, skilled and equipped having the tools for every good work. So I want to look at that topic a little bit more today and want to talk about this first principle, and I'll give it to you, and then we'll expand on it a little bit, give the second principle, and then give you some multiple examples so that you can see where I'm going with this. The first principle is this. The believer's uh, position in Christ is a result of complete work of Christ. In other words, their position, our position as a born-again person, as a saved person, as a child of God, is um, completely due to the work of Christ in our life. It's wholly dependent upon his finished work that is perfect and complete and is ours from the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. It is a gift from our Lord and received uh, by us by faith. So what we're talking about here is that concept that's, that's found in 2 Corinthians when it talks about being a new creature in Christ. And then what we often don't talk about is the extenuating elements that are part of that uh, position in Christ. In other words, what happened when a person got saved? Well, our usual concept is this. I was lost and now found. I was dead, now alive. And I become a child of God and I have hope of heaven. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But the word of God is much more ex expansive and extensive on this, pro on this concept of our position in Christ. When he says that we, have a, we are new creatures in Christ, and we have this position then 
because of the finished work of Christ, there is an extensive uh, amount of truth that's packed into that, and we want to explore a little bit of it today. The second principle is this. The believer's condition, how we live then, we could talk about the growing part, is dependent upon the appropriation of the truth of our position. He said, our holiness of character, our level of maturity, uh, the degree of obedience at any given time is our condition. Okay? Now there's a difference then between the position and our condition. Our position is settled and secure and is unchanging. It doesn't matter if you're a new believer or a seasoned saint, whether you're backsliding or you're living the victorious life, our position is the same because it is based on the finished work of Christ. We are no less a child of God regardless of where we are in our spiritual walk. Our condition, though, is another whole ballgame. It is predicated on our position, but it's dependent upon our appropriating that position into our life, taking the truths of what God has said that we are because we are a child of God, and then having them filter into our life and impact our life. We know that these similar things are at work in, in a family. Child is born into a family. They're part of that family. It's unchanging. Uh, we may try and kick the kid out or they may want to leave, but that doesn't change the fact that we are part of that family. Now, how things go in the family, that's another whole thing. Some days are sweet and lovely when they're... Kids are nice, you know, we're taking pictures, we're posting them on Facebook, we've got wonderful grandkids. How do they ever see pictures of when they're screaming at, the, at mom and dad in this store, you know, and saying, I want this, I want that. Mom going, be quiet. <laughs> we don't get any of that. That's doesn't mean the person is outside the family. What it means is they're part of the family, but things aren't going too well. There's a difference between position and condition. Our condition is usually very different than our position. Our condition is what we are as we're on the road to spiritual maturity. The degree in which our life reflects our position in Christ. The problem that we have is that we have a tendency to forget our position and focus on our condition. And as we focus on how we go about living this Christian life, we forget who we are. And because we forget who we are, we try and make a go of it on our own, maybe sometimes calling out to God for assistance and help, but we forget who we are. 
And because we do, where we get things all out of order, our condition, our day-to-day life in Christ is dependent upon our position, our relationship to Christ. If we don't focus on our relationship to Christ, our condition often goes astray. Our position then, using the illustration out of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, I'm going to draw a line there from that truth to this concept. Our position provides us tools for our spiritual lives. We talked about in 2 Timothy that the man of God may be complete, skilled, and equipped having the tools. So our position provides us the tools for living out the life and the appropriation of them by faith gives us the skills, okay? And so what we realize, if we start to think about it, God has, at the point of our salvation, given us all the tools that we need. Now, what's the problem with that? We don't know how to use them, okay? We've never used them. We've never practiced with them. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever been on a construction site and seen somebody who really knows their craft. And you go, wow. Even someone wheeling around a, one of the skill saws or something and using that and being able to cut things. And we gave the illustration last week of, of an apprentice coming on the job and the, and the, the person who's discipling them says, well, there's the wood, there's the tools, go build me some steps. And you go, <laughs> no, I'm not sure I will want to go up those steps if someone like that with no skills and little use of the tools knows how to do that. Now you turn it around and say, well, what about you? He says, well, he's using the same tools, but he's also skilled in using them. He knows them well, and he can use them well. Yeah, I'll, I'll have him build my staircase. I'd rather have him do that. So we want to look at, at this concept then, because what happens is a person goes along in their Christian life and they're trying to live a holy life. And someone has told them, well, you need to read the Bible, you need to pray, you need to, you know, fellowship with other believers, you need to do these things in order for you to live the Christian life. And what isn't mentioned there, it says you need to focus on what tools God has given you to live this life. Now, some of you were involved in meal preparation for our meal following the service. And by the way, if you didn't plan to stay, please plan to stay. There's enough food in there to feed an army. So, but think about it. I was looking at some of the things that were there that had been brought. There was 
there was main dishes, there were sides, there was desserts, all those kind of things. But I can tell you something that involves two things, some tools and some skill, okay? And having been a part of our fellowship here and for a, a length of time, I know that we have some very skilled people who know how to use the tools. Same thing goes true in our Christian life. If we say, well, I have some skills, but I don't ever use the tools, what's going to get made? We're going to be struggling if we don't use the proper tools to live the Christian life. So we're going to give you some examples. I invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 6. There's probably no better section of, of God's word that outlines this for us than Romans chapter 6. Let me read the first four verses. We'll come down and we'll start filling out your paperwork here so that you can see what I mean. He says, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, if the previous passage had just come from the place of saying, well, if God forgives us our sins, hey, let's just sin some more. God's grace will be abounding then. In fact, we'll be doing God a favor because the more we sin, the more God can demonstrate his grace. And Paul writes, what should we say then? Would you continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, I like the King James. God forbid. By no means. Meginito is the, is the Greek are you kidding me? We could translate this. No. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried together with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So let's look at your little paper here and and let's break it down and you can fill in these blanks with one or two words position or condition he begins by saying what should we say then are we continuing sin that grace may abound by no means how can we who died to sin did we die to sin scripture tells us we did that's our position we are people who died to sin at the time of our salvation. It says, should we still live in it? Should we continue to live in sin? That's our condition. He says, no, don't, don't do it. In other words, we, we have experienced sin as a predominant theme in our life up until the point of salvation. And when... When we were saved, we died to its authority in our life. Did you know that? That's our position. It no longer has the right over us. Shall we live in it? Condition. No. 
The implied answer is no. He said, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And the answer is yes, that's our position in Christ. We were there being baptized into Christ's death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. There's our position. In order that Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's our condition. It says, Jesus Christ was dying uh, on our behalf when we were there in him, dying to sin. And as he was raised, we we're raised to newness of life. How should we live? He says, well, not like we formerly did. We should live according to the fact that sin no longer has any authority over us. That new position in Christ impacts our condition. He goes on from there, verses 5 and 6. For we've been, we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in his resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. He lays out a couple truths here. He says, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's our position in Christ. We know that our old self was crucified with him. That was our position, our position now, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, made idle or rendered powerless, that we should no longer be enslaved to sin. That's our condition. He says, we understand that we were in Christ and Christ uh, uh, died on our behalf and was raised to life and we then died in ourselves, having put ourselves through faith into Christ that as he was raised to newness of life we're raised to newness of life and that means sin has no longer any authority over we would no longer be enslaved to sin you see what's going on here we understand our position. It is the touch point that allows us to live a victorious life. We understand it has no more authority. How many have ever wrestled with that? One honest person raised their hand. How many of you have ever wrestled with sin? You notice the pastor has his hand up. Okay. He says, what gives us victory over that? To say, well, you just got to try harder, Pastor. You got to just cut it out. Stop, stop wrestling with sin. He said, whether you realize it has no authority over you. He says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That's a position. Body of sin might be done away with. That's our condition. That we no longer be slaves to sin. That's our condition. 
when we were in, in uh, going through Romans some ancient years past, I gave the illustration, and it's appropriate right here. It's the picture of the old um, coal mine. It's a picture of uh, owing your soul to the company store. Why? Because the, uh, the guy who owns the mine, owns the town, owns the store, owns all the buildings that he allows you to stay in. He owns everything. So why do you go to work? Because he tells you you got to go to work if you're going to eat, if you're going to have a place to stay. you got to do it. So you go and you do it. If he tells you, I want you to go there and do that, you go there and do that because that's what he tells you to do. Who sets the price at the store? The owner. He says, this is how much it's going to cost you. How about the place where you stay? I don't really like the housing. That's it. This is the only places we have for you to stay in town. This is it. Do you like it much? No, but you got to live. One day, a person comes to town, stops you on the street, you're headed to the company store. And he says, would you uh, come and go to work for me? And you go, I can't, man. I've got such a, a debt over here at the company store and I'm behind in my, my rent and my place. There's just no way I could ever get out of this situation. Do you like how you're living? Oh, no. This is about what options do I have? He says, well, if you come and come to work for me, I will pay off all your debts and I'll put you to work and give you a much better situation. So you go, on the chance that that might possibly be so, yes, I'll come and do that. And he said, I believe what you say, and I'm going to come and go to work for you. So he takes you out of that town, takes you away from those buildings, takes you away from that mine, that company store, and you find out there's a whole other world that you never even knew, a place where things were much, much better. And you were treated so much better. And it was like night and day. But one day, you head back into town. Why? You've got friends there. and You've got other people you know there. And as you're walking down the street, your old boss sees you on the street, calls you by name, says, what in the world are you doing? Get back into that mind. And because... For all of your life, you had listened to his bark and responded the way he wanted you to jump when he told you to jump. You start turning around and you start heading to the mine. And then you go, wait a minute. <clears throat> I don't answer to him anymore. And you turn around and you, and you say to him, well, I don't answer to you anymore, which only doubles his anger, doubles his volume. And he says, get back.
back into the mine. Do it now. You're going to pay the price. But you realize something. And it's what Romans talks about here. It may, sin may bark at you. But it no longer has any authority over you. And your position then impacts your condition. Your position in Christ has nullified Satan and, and sin's authority to speak into your life and command you to do something. And you have to obey because it's all you know. Now Jesus Christ has given you someone else to follow. And he doesn't treat you at all like that. And you don't have to answer to the old boss because your position has changed. So has your conditions. And once you understand that and remember that, you can speak against the barking of the old boss in your ear. Why? Because based on your new position, it impacts your condition. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, and it's in your, it's in your list here. It says, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. There's your position. Walk as children of light. There's your condition. Let your position impact your condition. Colossians 2.20 If you have died with Christ, have you? Yes. Romans just told us so. That's your position. If you have died with Christ to the elemental principles of the world, why, as if you were still living in the world, do you submit yourselves to the decrees? That's your condition. Don't listen to it anymore. Why? You've died to it. It has no more authority in your life. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If you have been raised with Christ, have we? Yes. That's our position. Seek the things that are above. That's our condition. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things above. In other words, let it impact your condition, not on the things on earth. You see how knowing your position then impacts your condition. What Satan loves to do, though, is help us to forget our position in Christ. So we have no authority to speak against our condition but if we remember who we are in Christ then we have some authority to speak against his attacks in our life Galatians 3.27 says all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ is that our position or our condition that's our position we are now clothed with Christ. It says, put on then the Lord Jesus Christ in Romans 13 
and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. There's our condition. If we put on Christ, then we put on Christ and now we make no provisions for the, the flesh to gratify its desires. 1 John 2, 6. The one who says he abides in him, there's the position, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. There's our condition. Let it impact our condition. And, I, and the reason that I'm giving you so many of these passages, just so you can see that over and over the argument in the New Testament is look to your position in order for it to impact your condition. If you look at your condition and forget your position, you're not able to deal with the things in this world. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, do we have the Spirit within us? Yes, we do. That's our position. Let us walk by the Spirit. Let it impact our condition. Second Peter 1, it says, His divine power was granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and his excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and great promises. There's our position. He's given us so much. So that through them you may become partakers of his divine nature, then it may impact your condition. Having escaped from the corruption is in the world because of sinful desires. We have already escaped its authority. Our position is secure. When we forget it, though, we act according to us in our <clears throat> own struggle without remembering. Wait a minute, I don't answer to you anymore. <clears throat> There's a lot of ramifications for this. Oftentimes, a person will doubt their salvation because of some struggle they're going through. And the reason they doubt their salvation. And what is their salvation? That's our position. The reason they doubt their salvation is because they've forgotten their position and are focused on the condition. And you go, Pastor, the position condition thing, man. My head is swirling here. You go, no. Who we are in Christ has an impact on how we live this Christian life. That's what he's saying. So in conclusion, our spiritual eyes, as, as scripture says, right, focus in the heavenlies, not here on earth. Our spiritual eyes need to be on our position in order to have a great impact on our condition. If we focus on our condition, separate from our position, our focus is on our own efforts.
as opposed to relying on Christ's provision. You say, well, as my head goes around and around about this position condition thing, you say, this is the bottom line, that we have so much in Christ. God didn't just save us. He made us new. And if we understand the depths and the reality of that new life in Christ, we realize that he has given us all the tools that we need. Scripture tells us, all Scripture is, is God breathed and profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be completely skilled and equipped, having all the tools for every good work. He's given us insight into who we are in his word. If we understand, if we learn those truths, we understand who we are in Christ. Then when the world comes and whispers in our head, or when Satan comes and opposes us, when our flesh rises up and says, this is the way we ought to go, we go, no. To all three of you. He says, this is who I am in Christ. And I'll walk in righteousness because he has already made me right in his eyes. It doesn't look like it, but he has. And I want to translate my position into my condition. I want to live according to the life that he has already given me. Maybe this has generated some questions in your mind. That's fine. You know how to get all the money. I would love to talk to you about it. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, oh, how good you are. You gave us so, so much more than just, quote unquote, a new life. the relationship that we have because of the finished work of Jesus Christ is so much more extensive. And it speaks exactly to the issues of living this life that you called us to live. You made us your child. You have declared us right. We are declared justified. You have given us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And you speak these things over and over and again, your word, because we need it, because we forget so easily. Heavenly Father, bring to mind in our hearts our position as a child of God. And may it have a profound effect on how we live condition until we see you in glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.